0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alexander Chester, and I'd like to get forgiveness and sex, but I'll settle for just one of them.
1: And I'm Avstynensky, and the prostitutes don't seem to mind my scruff.
0: Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast, and today we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 4, The Bracelet, which originally aired on November 5th, 2000, two days before the infamous uh, 2000 U.S. presidential election. So Av, this episode starts uh, with an activity that you're usually doing on a Sunday, which is watching a Jets game. Yes,
1: I every Sunday I sit down, I get on the phone, and I watch the Jets, and I I talk through what's going on with the Jets with someone on the phone. Which I think, based on on later, we can assume that this is Richard Lewis, but I don't. We don't really know for sure.
0: Yeah. Now there are a number of issues with uh the, the football game both both on this night and then the next night that Larry's watching. We already had uh hashed this out on email with uh, listener Amir. I'm not sure if the listeners really want us to spend half an hour complaining about this, but suffice to say that nothing on the television screen, uh, for either of the football games makes any logical sense whatsoever.
1: Yeah, um I mean it's the 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 first night it's he clearly is watching a Jets game based on what his conversation is, and there is a team yes. on the screen that looks like it very well could be the Jets, although maybe it's the Eagles. It's not
0: really clear. Um, yes. There's an announce- It's either the Jets or the pre 1995 Eagles because it's sort of a light green and white. Yeah, um, and they're playing the Vikings, by the way. Yeah. So I
1: wasn't even sure about that. I thought it looked like a like it could be like a Bears jersey, but I thought it was the Bears at first, also. But when you zoom in, it's the Vikings. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. And you know the the play by play announcer, which I assume was dubbed in later, specifically talks about Testaverde and. And Larry's yelling out about Vinny, um, but it looked pretty clear to me like the quarterback in that game was wearing number fourteen. And Vinny Testaverde wore number sixteen for the Jets. Neil O'Donnell yeah. did wear number fourteen for the Jets, and he was the quarterback a couple years earlier. So that would make sense if this was like footage they had gotten from not very recently, but maybe a few years ago, and they just kind of like assumed. Yeah. That...
0: But rest, rest listeners should be rest assured. We we went into great detail looking at this up. I looked up every single game ever between the Vikings and the Eagles, the Vikings and the Jets. What we know for sure is that this video and the audio you hear are not from the same game. They were dubbed in separately. Uh, The way that that Larry talks about the games clearly has nothing to do with what's going on on screen. And we never found out where the video is from. We speculated it's from a preseason game or something like that. There's definitely no regular season game it could have been. But it's just we can't even be sure at all because they're playing on a field with natural grass and with a dirt infield. And uh, neither the Jets uh, nor the Eagles nor the Vikings have had such a field. Uh, at any time in a game against each other. Yeah. So,
1: and I also like the he throws like a screen pass to a, a white running back wearing number thirty. It looks like I I couldn't tell if it was thirty or thirty eight, but I couldn't find anyone in recent Jets history at that point, like from the nineties, who fit that description. So I yeah I don't know what's going on. It that would be consistent with preseason where you have like more just like random players that don't eventually make the team and then wouldn't be on the
0: rosters that you could look up nowadays. Yeah, my my best guess ostensibly is that it was a preseason game from the nineteen eighties. <laughs> That was played on some neutral field somewhere. Right, um, if I had to guess, yeah.
1: They also the the first play we see, the Jets are on the thirty-five yard line when, he, and they complete a pass, get a fir- get a f- two first downs. Um, he's also very angry about the clock running, even though the Vikings have clearly gotten an offsides penalty, so the clock should have stopped. Um, <laughs> and then, like on the next play, when by the time Cheryl comes into the room, which you know is when the the episode starts in earnest, um, they've somehow. Gone all the way back to their own goal line so yeah <laughs> you know they, they clearly just took like a few random plays from some random game and just strung them together in a nonsensical way yeah. and hoped that two idiots 30 years later or 20 years later wouldn't be breaking down the film but yeah and I think the lessons is probably hard to get NFL yeah, right but they were wrong because so. there
0: are two idiots breaking down the film 20 exactly. years later and that's uh that's their yeah. problem yeah. So yeah. So as you said, so he's watching the game, talking on the phone with someone, uh, presumably Richard Lewis, but uh, we don't know who it is exactly. It's uh it's a Sunday night. Uh, one can assume Cheryl walks in with a suitcase back from visiting her mother in Tallahassee for four days. The first thing I thought is curious is how they say it's her mother because as we're going to see just in a couple of episodes, her parents are still married. We'll meet them very soon, so I'm not sure why he'd be visiting only the mother. But the second thing, which is a thousand times crazier, is Av. Would you ever not pick up your wife from the airport and, wait, and you not see her until... She, now, maybe because you, you have little kids at home who are sleeping or something like that. But like, if there was no one else around that you had to watch, is there any scenario where your wife... Would land in your hometown. Would have to take a cab or something back for the airport, and would walk in the door, not having seen you for four days, and you're sitting on the couch watching. TV. Um,
1: I mean, I think nowadays, yes, and maybe uh, maybe I'm the asshole here, but I think that like I, my opinion in general, and I would say this goes both ways, is like getting an Uber at the airport now is like so easy and like not that expensive that. Like, that's more a better allocation of the couple's time and resources than one of them circling around and sitting at the airport, which could take two hours. It's, like, the worst thing in the world is picking up somebody from the airport. It's, like, it's a fate worse than death. Um, so, it's, like, avoid. you should avoid it at all costs. So, I think in that scenario, if I was the one going on a trip, I would never in a million years expect my wife to pick me up from the airport. I would say, you do whatever you want. Like, I'll just get an Uber as soon as I land. And,
0: like, because, like, flights get delayed. But I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about her landing. Would she be of the same opinion? I think so. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Because Doctor Jen would rather me cheat on her with a syphilitic <laughs> prostitute than not pick yeah,
1: up. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think being picked up at the airport is just not convenient for either party. I just really do. I think that it's just like it's you feel guilty that like somebody's waiting for you and like you're waiting for your bags and then like they move the gate and like you can never find each other. Um, I just, you know, I always thought it was like one of the the big ironies of, of of American history is that basically until 9-11, you wouldn't have to do that. Like you could go into the airport and, like, you would pick up the person from, like, the gate. But, like, after 9-11, you couldn't get through that barrier. So, like, there was really no way to coordinate that. But, like, thankfully... But, thankfully, at, like, that exact moment in time, everyone in the United States, for the most part, got cell phones. And then, like, you were able to more easily coordinate... Like in the street or outside the airport, so it's just like one of these like mir- miracles yeah. of life that like those two events happen simultaneously. But like, because imagine
0: trying to pick up somebody at the airport without a cell phone. Now it, it would. Well, I know because I went, I lived uh, not at home for high school, and so I'd fly back and forth frequently. And yeah, you you had to coordinate ahead of time. All right, I'll be waiting at this exact spot at this exact time. And if anything changed, it was yeah, impossible. Yeah, for yeah, so and also, it's not like you could check on the flight, like if the flight was late or early. That the, the, we couldn't check that on the internet. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It was. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a miracle that anybody ended up getting home from somebody picking them up in the history of airlines yeah. for that, like, six-month period.
0: Yeah. All right. So so Cheryl's trying to talk to Larry. He keeps stealing glances at the TV. Um, you know, as we said, what, what he sees on the TV makes no sense. But ostensibly, according to the narrative of the show, it's the last two minutes of the game and the Jets are trying to drive for some kind of game-winning uh, or game-tying score, presumably. But anyway, Cheryl's trying to talk to Larry about her little nephew, Griffin, who hurt himself, But he's very distracted, Larry is. And so Cheryl finally angrily says, Go watch your game. He promises it's the last two minutes and he'll be right up. Um, you know, I think we've all been in this situation.
1: Yeah, I mean this is uh this is a very common occurrence. Obviously, yes. with the development of like D V R and other technologies now, this is this shouldn't happen. You can pause the you game. Pause yes. the game. There, there's no time urgency the way there was then. But like back then, it's like if you missed it, you missed it. And whatever Cheryl's stupid story about her nephew can
0: wait. And that you know Yeah, if Cheryl comes home with like emergency information, that's one thing, but this is just like chatting about her trip. She just wants to do like the big catch up. Yeah. Now, you know, so yeah. Presumably, you know, if Larry
1: was like um, you know, better suited to handle the situation he would have like said something like hey Cheryl like I can't wait to talk to you and hear about your trip but like there's two minutes left in the game can you please let me see down to the game and then like you you know you'll have my attention for an hour uninterrupted and maybe that would work maybe not maybe not but certainly
0: better than what he did yeah, although he doesn't even try but
1: like I'm, I'm sure I've done exactly what he does hundreds of times
0: so yeah. I'm not one yes, to criticize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Larry also hasn't shaven in the four days since Cheryl's been gone yeah he's letting so he has a little bit of stuff he's
1: letting himself go a little bit I guess he uh he doesn't you know have that Cheryl there to kind of keep him in line about his physical appearance so
0: yeah so the game ends uh the Jets I can assume lost uh Larry goes upstairs uh to Cheryl who's angrily reading a magazine in bed and you know again the the smart move for Larry would be to immediately transition back to you know tell me about your trip but Larry's a little bit clueless and so he just starts talking haphazardly about how he heard that too much soy makes your brain shrink which worries him because he's been having uh, soy with his uh, with his cereal every day for 10 years, and he doesn't know if he can switch to milk. I thought it was kind of weird that he refers to it as soy versus milk as opposed to soy milk versus, like, just milk milk. But
1: Yeah, anyway. and I'm surprised um, that Larry David would would have been in the year 2000 such an early adopter of soy milk to this extent. I w-
0: And it's been 10 years, so he's been doing it since 1990. Yeah, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, yeah,
1: that seems crazy. Larry David does not seem like the type of guy who's, you know— super like yeah an early
0: adapter of like these like dietetic trends (laughs) yeah um but anyway cheryl's not responsive to the soy conversation larry gets into bed and now he tries to ask cheryl about her family and her trip cheryl's sort of and we've all been there again sort of the angry one word sarcastic responses she's not really interested in the uh, conversation so larry finally apologizes for watching the last two minutes of the game when cheryl got home but she's even too angry to engage with him now and Larry is sensing rancor. Or is it rancor? rancor? It's either
1: rancor or rancor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to spell it, uh, but not pronounce it. Um, Cheryl says she doesn't know what to say to Larry right now, so he proposes, I forgive you, let's have sex. It's a good, it's a good starting point of the negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually uh, tried that exact line before. Um, <laughs> it, it, it does not Yeah, succeed. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then he says he'll take either the forgiveness or the sex, which I've also tried. Um he then tells Cheryl that if she was watching the Oscars, this is an exact conversation I've had with my wife many, many times. Um, you know, if it was the third quarter, I'd give you 15 minutes easily, but it was the last two minutes of the game and they had the ball on the 35-yard line. The bottom line is they go to bed angry and unresolved. <laughs> so uh, so that's the end of the evening in the Cheryl-Larry uh, household it appears as if we had uh, neither sex uh, nor.
1: I balance. wouldn't think there either. Certainly there was no sex. Maybe there was some light forgiveness, but doubtful because he, you know, the next day he's still thinking about ways to patch things up with her.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Larry's in his office. It's the next day with his assistant. Uh, she's upset with Larry because he hasn't shaven and he's wearing old clothes. He admits to her that Cheryl isn't talking to him. He explains why. His assistant says he's got to give her a gift. And he mentions, well, there's a bracelet she likes platinum and diamonds so he's gonna go get it for her and cheryl's assistant is very happy to vicariously live through uh cheryl and be married to the the you know the guy's worth half a billion dollars and can buy you a platinum and diamond uh bracelet uh just for forgiveness yeah um, i thought it, was, a, it so was he walks to the jewelry i thought it story. was
1: a, a great line where she says like oh that's it that's the solution he's like yeah that's what i was afraid
0: of <laughs> yeah uh, you know uh kobe bryant what do you have a four million dollar purple diamond once upon a time for forgiveness so although i think larry's crime is relatively uh Uh, Less offensive here. But anyway, so he walks to the jewelry store and a homeless man comes up to him to thank him because Larry had given him his leftover chicken on another day. Or did he? Yeah. So you're implying that the homeless man is no so
1: this is a uh from what i can tell from a, a little bit of research i did this is a continuity error this is something that's
0: going to happen in a later episode and they so that okay so that's that's good because i remember this happening but i'm like but i don't think we've seen this yet so i was a little confused about that as well yeah
1: i think the i think the events that he's referencing happens in uh episode seven um and for whatever reason they then reordered the episodes out of chronological order so that's that's why it's confusing
0: okay, okay. So anyway, but the jewelry store employees through the window see the dirty, unshaven Larry and the, uh, and the dirty uh, unshaven homeless man. And so even after the homeless man goes away, they refuse to unlock the door and let Larry in despite his protestations that he wasn't you know with the, the dirty homeless guy. So Um, I
1: I, I, I mentioned this to you you offline. I don't know if you noticed this or if you agreed once I said it to you, but one of the two workers in the store there, and both of them are not credited, so I could not figure out any way, but one of them to me looks like exactly like Susie Essman, just blondes. Uh, are, are you implying that it's Susie and Wick or a sister or something I have no idea I, I was very confused and to me it looked he looked very similar to her I'm not I'm not always the best at like the look-alike celebrity game but if the, mm-hmm. if you know if any of our listeners are you know want to spend five or six hours doing a deep dive and figuring out who this woman is you know
0: you should go ahead and let us know because I spent about two- you know, I saw Susie Esman um, at the premiere of season 10 and I should have gone up to her and said in season one, episode four was the woman <laughs> of the jewelry store. You in a wig or a relative? And, and or, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Susie, yes. Susie asked Also, looks a lot like
1: uh, just a, a realtor in my neighborhood that the, most of the people use when they're she buying looks houses. Like
0: a lot of women that we know. Yeah, family.
1: but like she's like very similar to this woman. They but they have similar personalities. Obviously, Susie is much more <laughs> much more exaggerated. How does
0: this woman have a business? She's, she's <laughs> well,
1: she's she's a very tough woman and gets stuff done. Let's put it like that.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> did you use this woman as real? Uh we did. Yeah, she was. You know. She she was, oh. she was successful. Um, but yeah, her yeah. she has she shares certain personality traits. Listen,
0: you four eyed fuck, <laughs> you're gonna sell this house to the Tedskies right now. Pretty much, but like, you know, less less vulgarity, yeah. <laughs> but same tenor. Interesting, interesting. Um now I actually have uh, my parents like to tell a story about one day in June of nineteen eighty three when my mother was like nine months pregnant with uh, yours truly, and it was like obscenely hot. And so they were wearing like raggedy sweaty like just like clothes and my mother was very pregnant and they looked sort of it was like a Sunday afternoon and so they weren't dressed up and they walked into some store and they were trying to buy something and they were thrown out of the store for not being appropriately dressed. And and, and the moral of the story was don't judge a book by its cover because they were so upset they went next door where there was like a Steinway piano shop and they bought like a piano which has you know been the piano in our family home for the last 37 years. But, um, but they, you know, I remember hearing the story as a kid, like this apocryphal story about why you should never judge, uh, you know, someone by how they're dressed or how they look. Um, but, yeah, obviously, the jewelry store makes a big mistake here because Larry David has deep pockets. Yeah. But, um, but, you know. Now, Larry goes out to his car, and, and this is where he starts to make very strange decisions. Yeah. So he, he could have gone to the car, take out his cell phone, and he starts to dial. And then before he finishes, he stops a stranger and asks him to do him a favor. He says, if a woman answers the phone, hang up. But if it's a man, give me the phone. Because he explains he hates his friend's girlfriend. Now, first of all, he could have done the same thing.
1: Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Right? There's, he doesn't need a third person yeah. to listen, to hear if it's a man or a woman.
0: Yeah. Um, it's weird enough that the guy does it. But also, like, he can just call the store and say, like, in a rational voice, like, listen, my name is Larry David. You know, I, I invented Seinfeld. I have half a billion dollars. You know, I'm sorry. I'm dressed a little scruffily. I'm happy to slide my credit card under the door if you want. You know, or could have tried calling them. Or
1: even, here's the number. You can charge it, and you'll see, and it'll be bought, yeah. and then you can <laughs> let me in to just... Take it because I've already paid for it yeah. in full.
0: Yeah, there are there are better solutions than what he does. There's a million other things he could do. But yeah, so he asked this stranger, uh, anyways, of course, he's calling Richard Lewis, so I guess he's still dating, if not Sophia, then some other girl who, you know, Larry hating Richard's girlfriends is a, uh, a trope throughout the series. Yes. Um, and he asks Richard to come down to the jewelry store to help him buy the bracelet. Now, couldn't he have his assistant do this? Isn't that what her job is? Yeah, there's a lot of better solutions here than what he yeah. does, but you or know, couldn't he even have his assistant call the store and yeah, just wrap it up and you know he'll go shower. And ch- Anyways, but the point is, you know, for the narrative of this episode, he needs Larry to, Richard to come down to the store and help him buy the bracelet. So he waits. Richard arrives. Larry tells him he looks like a Jewish Ratso Rizzo, R- Ratso Rizzo, which is the Dustin Hoffman character from Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, and
1: as as we know from. Uh... The Pants Tent, both Richard Lewis and Larry David are big Dustin Hoffman fans. They went to see the new Dustin Hoffman movie, uh, not not quite together, but not quite apart as well. Yeah,
0: in the same theater. Uh, have you seen Midnight Cowboys? Uh Yeah,
1: I saw it earlier this year or last year. I saw it in 2019.
0: Yeah. I-, I saw it. I did not think it. At yeah, I didn't
1: like it at all. It's very slow. I did not like it at all. It plays that. There's that song that it plays. Um, and it plays it like 11 yeah. times in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. that's what it's most famous yeah. for. I think. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. it's John Voight before yeah. he became. like. he was crazy he was person.
1: very good looking young, which I wouldn't have uh, necessarily yes. expected based on how he looks now, but. It's yeah, yeah. I didn't really particularly like it. It was very controversial at the time because apparently it was X rated. Because I mean, X rated meant very different things than it does now. Um, but I think yeah. it's the only X rated movie to ever win Best Picture. Oh wow! So oh, I or know one of the only. But it's yeah. It's it's a it's a. I thought it was a weird movie. Um, I did like. A, I've been doing a, a Best Picture catch up project over the last year. I
0: didn't even know it won Best. Picture. Yeah. I, I, I that must have been why I saw because I made a point of seeing it. You know, when I was trying to you know. Cover the gaps in my uh, film history as well, and I remember just being yeah. It's, it was so, the nineteen seventy Best Picture winner, but yeah, I'm not a fan of the movie. Yeah. So, anyways, Larry thanks Richard for coming, and Richard tells Larry that's the first thank you Larry has given him in two years. Well, you haven't done anything to thank uh, me in years. Yes, exactly. Now, Larry tries to explain to Richard how to identify the bracelet. Why can't Richard and Larry just walk over the five feet to the you know to the window, um, and actually point to it? Yeah. These- or, or why can't Richard walk into the store? And say, hey, this is for my friend right there. You know, I know him. You can let him in. Again, there's a million other ways that this could be resolved.
1: Yeah, but, you know, they need they need the story to unfold the way they need it to unfold.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, now now the store is closed for a few minutes uh, by the time they pro- Richard approaches the door. So Richard says, can they go get lunch and then come back? And then Richard proposes they walk to the restaurant because of his cardiovascular issues. He has 25 relatives who had heart attacks. You know, he starts his litany of, of complaints he always has. Um you know, it's interesting how much walking and talking is done in Curb. Like, that's obviously a very big thing in New York City, but you really don't see that a lot in L.A. But in Curb, you do because they sort of need it for all the run ins yeah. that happen on the yeah, show.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, L.A. is not a walking city the way New York yeah. is. Everyone drives in L.A. Everyone has cars. Everyone has more than one car. Um, and yeah, uh, Richard, Richard, yeah, Richard actually specifically says, let's walk like the way we used to do back in New York, to which Larry says, I never used to walk in
0: New York. Yeah. Um, now Larry picks up the tab for lunch, and Richard thanks him without protesting. Uh, despite us discovering in season ten that this actually never happens between the two of them.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: They have a long-running feud about Richard always prepaying and you know. Right. Yeah, I, did, punch, I didn't but... even think
1: of that. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: So you know, the, we'll, we'll say that's the second biggest continuity
1: error of this episode <laughs> after <laughs> the ev- specific events that we see that didn't occur until three episodes from now.
0: Yeah, well, and also all the football stuff, but yeah. So anyways, at lunch, Richard and Larry are discussing why women aren't into sex as much as men are. A very woke conversation. Larry's theory is that the penis is grotesque, and a woman is only willing to have sex with, with a penis if they love the man to whom it is connected. Um, anyways, Larry signs the check for lunch, and he notices that in addition to the line to tip the waiter, there's a line to tip the captain. Uh, now, in season 10, we'll learn that Jeff is offended by even calling a pilot, uh, a captain. So I'm sure that Jeff would not be enthused to know that a uh, a restaurant, uh, organ Mater D, calls himself a captain. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so Larry and Richard have a whole debate about who the captain is, how much of a tip he deserves. Larry says, well, he ordinarily tips a waiter 20%, so in this circumstance, he's going to give the waiter 30%, which will allow the waiter leeway to share that 10% with the captain if he wants. This makes no sense, what Larry does. Yeah, I mean... He's going to be over-generous with the waiter. To, like... Why would the waiter no even think that well this guy intended for ten percent to go to the captain when there's a line right there? Yeah. Or he didn't communicate very yeah, often. Yeah, I mean
1: there you, you have two choices here. If you think this this whole captain thing is bullshit and then just don't tip the captain. I mean, that's you know, that's your personal choice, but then just still tip the waiter the amount that you were gonna tip, or just say It's a it's lose lose. It's lose lose correct. He's paying
0: extra money. Correct.
1: But he's not gonna get the benefit of having done so. Exactly. So as we'll obviously discuss. Either don't tip the captain at all or tip the captain. Don't tip the captain like through the waiter as a
0: conduit. That
1: doesn't make any sense. Without communicating it uh, to, to anybody, anybody.
0: right. Yeah. Why why? Why and he puts the line through the captain's line. You know, to emphasize, this is not... <laughs> yeah. And like the waiter is supposed to know, oh, this
1: is Larry David. He normally tips 20%, yeah. but he did 30% yeah. today. Obviously, the extra 10% is supposed to go to
0: the captain. Yeah. Um, anyways, as they walk back uh, to the jewelry store, Larry complains that next time there'll be lines on the receipt for the lieutenant and for the colonel. As they continue walking, they pass a blind man who stops them and asks them to help him move some boxes into his apartment. Yeah. Um, Richard explains to the blind man that he also has problems. He's a recovering alcoholic. He has intimacy problems. <laughs> Richard reassures the blind man, I'm a liberal. <laughs> um, anyways, Larry is guilted by Richard to join uh, as they walk to blind Michael's apartment to help him move the boxes. Um, what Michael described as moving some boxes basically gradually becomes sort of step-by-step step, setting up Michael's entire apartment. Uh, by the time they're done, they're both exhausted and sweaty and gross. And I, I guess we sort of, you know, we, we are led to. I think as we're watching, we assume, oh, I see what's going to happen. They're going to go back to the jewelry store now. They're both going to look all, you know, schleppy. But um, oh, my favorite part is they get into a fight about bringing the TV back into the living room because they previously take it into the bedroom. Anyways, the, the 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 bottom line is this takes a long, long time. Um, and um, as they walk back exhausted they complained that the blind man was very deceptive he tricked them into setting up the whole apartment
1: yeah I thought and of course I thought that was a very
0: uh, ironic
1: choice of words um, given that as you know the there's a prohibition in the Torah about deceiving someone and like the the metaphor it uses is putting a stumbling block in front of a blind man is the way to use that like mm-hmm. a catch-all for like that entire body of like things you're not allowed to do so the idea of a, de- yeah. a deceptive blind man is ironic yes the blind man put the stumbling block in front of the uh, exactly yeah of, like, and the the like it's man, you know yes. it's nice you know to see representation that like blind people
0: could also be assholes yes and i yeah i think i was actually just uh did you watch the show rami on hulu yes so um the the character who i forget his name because i you know i didn't see it that recently but the character who plays his friend who's uh disabled was talking about how he enjoys that he gets to be an asshole on tv also because yeah he doesn't want to be seen purely as as, as a sympathetic figure um, you know, and so he has a, a very questionable behavior with a, a underage girl in the show, and uh, yeah, so blind Michael here is a uh, is a little bit deceptive, as we'll see. Um, anyways, by the time they get back to the jewelry store, it's closed for the night. Larry goes to the window and shows Richard the bracelet, which he could have just done in the first place. And uh, Richard says, "Well, you helped a blind man today. Was a good day. Every day's a good day." Uh, Larry calls him Norman Vincent Lewis, by which he means Norman Vincent Peale, the author of The Power of Positive Thinking. Yep. Uh Norman Vincent Peel, on his Wikipedia page, it actually discusses him going by the incorrect name on this episode of curb oh. so uh so uh, curb got the name wrong for some reason anyways, uh Larry tells Richard that he's <laughs> he's a babbling brook of bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which now that I think about it, how I should have started this episode.
1: Richard Lewis also says that he has
0: more serenity than Larry, which is a a good yeah, Seinfeld's yeah. use of words yeah. Serenity now. Um, all right. Uh, Larry's home again uh, watching football while talking to Richard on the phone. Now Larry's talking about it's the Giants and why they shouldn't punt at this late stage in the game. First of all, kudos to Larry for being more forward thinking than Richard Lewis. Obviously, you shouldn't punt. Uh, but we clearly see it's the same Jets and Vikings on the screen. The two teams we saw playing yesterday, why they'd be playing again the next day doesn't make sense. Why Larry's talking about the Giants when he was a Jets fan yesterday doesn't make sense. You know, we're not going to get into that whole thing. We discussed that already. Um but uh we we, but i will say this we know that it's the same day as the attempt to buy the jewelry first of all larry's in the same outfit but also in the conversation on the phone larry explains he came home he's on the way home he stopped and got roses and so he and cheryl made up richard asks well if you made up then can i buy that bracelet for my girlfriend and larry says yeah i already made up for cheryl so that's fine um larry complains about the vikings running the ball saying that his team is idiots now i'm very confused he was a jets fan then he's a giants fan now he's a vikings fan. None of it makes sense. Anyways, uh, Larry asks Richard if he picked up his credit card at the restaurant because Larry doesn't have it. So Larry basically realizes he left the restaurant. um, He left his credit card at the restaurant from lunch earlier in the day. Yes. Uh, Now Cheryl comes home, and Larry interrupts the game uh, demonstrably to uh, focus solely on Cheryl. And he spends time talking to Cheryl about her NRDC meeting, and he maintains eye contact with her. He doesn't even acknowledge the football game. And Cheryl... For whatever random reason, she now mentions to Larry that she wants that bracelet she had seen a couple weeks ago, which is fortuitous to Larry because he thought about buying it for her, but of course he didn't. So he explains to her, you know, I actually tried to buy you that very necklace today, but I couldn't because the store was closed, and now I can't because I showed it to Richard Lewis, and he just asked if he can buy it for his girlfriend, and I said, okay, quote, because we've already made up. Um, <laughs> which, which which Cheryl
1: seems confused why those two things are relevant that now she doesn't yes. get to have a bracelet just because they've already made up and she has yeah. a fair point,
0: yes. Uh, now of course she didn't know that um, that you know that that he had been intending to buy it for her as a result of the fight that they had had. Which if she knew that, I guess would incentivize her to get in more fights with him. Uh, not that she needs incentive, anyways. Um, yeah, but she's very she's very annoyed. Why would Larry think that because they made up she didn't want the bracelet? And she asks Larry to call Richard to say he wants it. But Larry doesn't want to have that phone conversation because of the risk of the girlfriend answering the phone. So he says, don't worry. I'll wake up early in the morning. I'll beat Richard to the store. And this does have uh, echoes of, you know, trying to beat Richard to um, the the restaurant. Yes. season ten To pay the bill because Richard likes to show up to places very, very early.
1: Yes. Um, I do wonder. So I guess we don't really know for sure. But, uh, but I guess we can try to infer based on later discussions. Like at this point, if like Larry's like, hey, like I need the bracelet. Like you only know about the bracelet because you saw it with me and you, you asked my permission for it. So obviously you think that I have dibs on this bracelet. Um,
0: you know, Richard should just like let him have the bracelet. Yeah, it would be an asshole move for Richard to not let him have the bracelet. But th- that's the tug, the sort of the, the, pull, the push and pull of their relationship, I guess. Um, so it's the next morning, and Larry's up early, showering, shaving, getting dressed in a suit. He wants to make sure he has no hiccups in his outfit when he goes to the jewelry store. Cannot risk a uh, repeat of yesterday. Cheryl is really excited to see how handsome Larry is. how I mean how, uh, Maybe handsome is t- the wrong word. Put together. How well put together yeah. he is, yes. And um, Cheryl tells Larry that the restaurant just called with his credit card, which actually is a little confusing. I don't know what time it is, but presumably it's early because Larry wants to get – to the restaurant and then the store before it opens. I'm not sure wh- how early this restaurant's opening. Yeah. that they're already calling. Yeah, but anyway. And
1: when you get there, there's no like they're not serving customers or anything yet. So yeah, there it's it's strange. Yeah. But whatever.
0: Yeah. So he explains to Cheryl he doesn't need her credit card. He's going to pick it up from the restaurant on the way to the jewelry store. Um, as he so he gets the as he walks away. So he gets to the to the to the to the restaurant. He picks up his credit card. Um, we see a short man walk by and give Larry a dirty look. And moments later, Larry approaches the parking lot to see a car blocking his inn. And so he comes back to the restaurant where he discovers, of course, that the car blocking his belongs to Perry, the captain. And so now Larry and Perry are going to get into a conversation.
1: Yeah, so he goes back and he's like, "Hey, you can you uh, move my car? You're blocking me in." And of course, because this can't be a normal person, it has to be a, a curb person. He starts. <laughs> person. He starts uh, lecturing Larry about you know why didn't you give me a tip? Was was your table okay? Was the lighting okay? You know, usually people tip the captain of the waiters for that. Um, Larry you know plays dumb or not even plays dumb he actually says what he intended which obviously as we explained is a stupid thing that he intended but he was his heart was in the right place that oh didn't the waiter pass along your pro rata share of the uh, of the tip and no of course he didn't and this guy is like you know what you're going to have to find another mode of transportation, which, again, obviously, totally insane, complete overreaction. Like, yeah, so a guy snubbed you of, what, $4 yesterday? So now you're going to, like,
0: he's just blocked. He, has to, he can't leave the restaurant now. His car is stuck. That's that's crazy. Yeah, very similar to um, last episode how Brian acts in the car where he says, you know, you know, next time you'll bend over and pick up the ball. That's sort of Perry's attitude. Yeah. Here, screw you. You made the slightest slight to me, and I'm going to go over the top and be a, a curb person, as you uh, so aptly put it. So Larry has no choice but to sprint to the jewelry store. <laughs> and as he sprints, as he gets there, he sees Richard uh, slowly walking in from the other direction. And so Larry and Richard start to fight in the vestibule to see who will get in first to get the uh, bracelet. And, of course, the store's employees uh, see these two men uh, fighting violently, and so they won't open the door to let either of them in. And that's how the episode ends.
1: Apparently, real-life Larry David broke his glasses and possibly broke his finger in this altercation. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... So
0: Richard uh, so, started. Yeah, so
1: there was uh, there was some real life results of fighting.
0: Now I just read a profile of Larry recently, where um, his his glasses, which have now become iconic, he's been wearing the same glasses since the '90s. Now he has dozens of dozens of copies of them, but I guess he needed them because uh, he breaks them when he. Uh, wrestles with Richard. Yeah. Uh, so I was saying
1: recently uh, this weekend, a, a friend of mine got new glasses and it's very jarring whenever someone gets new glasses that there should be like a Megan's law for when you change your glasses where you need to like send out notification to everyone, you know, with like a picture of your new face. Like two weeks in advance, like you're not allowed to wear them in front of people until people are on notice that uh, it's a different face.
0: But only for glasses, shouldn't this apply to like facial hair changes, coloring your hair a different color? I think gl- for for you no know, getting a toupee. Like there's all for kinds me. Of gl- gl-
1: glasses is the one that like I'm always like, is that is are you is that how you always look? Something's off, but I can't tell what it is, and then like eventually I realize it's the glasses, but then it just still never sits right with me. <laughs> all right, so who's your come with guy for this episode? Um, I think it has to be Blind Michael. Um. Oh wow. I think this is the first time we disagree. All right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. To me,
0: it's Richard Lewis. Every day's a good day for him. Yeah.
1: Fine. Fair. Um. But yeah, I, I just think that the the blind man scene was, I thought, like the funniest part of the episode in terms of just like how it keeps escalating and becomes more and more ridiculous. And they at no point do they feel like they can say like "fuck you," you're an asshole because he's blind and he just like has them over mm-hmm. the barrel. Like if it was yeah. literally anybody else, they never would have agreed to go in the first place. And if they did, as soon as like he's like, "Oh, I want you to do a second thing," they they would say, "Get the hell out of here." Yeah.
0: Um, what about what's what's your ranking for this, this episode? Um, I
1: did not think it was a very strong episode. Um, I didn't think it was like particularly funny. Most of it. Um, and as we said, like a lot of the storyline just like doesn't really make any sense. There's a lot of decisions Larry makes that don't make any sense. Um, so I'm going to give it two out of five.
0: Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Exactly. Pretty, pretty good. I think it's the worst episode we've seen so far. And, you know, again, season one is not the strongest of seasons. The show definitely gets better, um, you know, similar to Seinfeld and, and, and a lot of other shows, I guess, uh, as it gets its footing, as it, as it learns more about its characters. Um, I didn't love this episode. Uh, you know, we have an introduction to Blind Michael, who will, you know, have a larger role in the show. But we didn't really have any other exciting introductions the way that we had, you know, in in previous episodes with, um, you know, with, with, with Ted and Mary, for example, or with Richard himself or even a character. In um, with the Bob Odenkirk uh, character, Porno Gill, he may not be a continuous character in the show, but at least he uh, is really a dynamite, memorable character. I'm not sure if Blind Michael is that, although, you know, he'll get to have a, a broader role in a way that uh, the Bob Odenkirk character doesn't. Should we go to our mailbag? Yes, we got And our tweet bag. We got tweets <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, we I got it. We're, we're getting hit from all over now.
1: The first comes from Claire. She writes first about last week's episode— on the topic of shoe removal, she says she was surprised to hear that it's so common to take your shoes off in people's homes and started wondering if it's a Canada versus U.S. cultural difference. According to a very helpful Wikipedia article titled Tradition of Removing Shoes in the House in the Home, which has
0: sections describing shoe removal customs ov- all over the world, this is indeed the case. Um, that- now, we should also note that in the 32 Fans patron group chat, this led into a ferocious discussion our podcast last week where people were... It's not just that people have different opinions, but people are shocked that there are other opinions on this matter. And the Canadians especially are, are Canadians are very strict about uh, shoe removal it seems like.
1: Yeah, and I guess people suggested that like in in Canada there is like more snow and like it's more of a, you know, probably like more rural areas where you're more likely to like be have like mud or dirt on your shoes. So like whereas New York is maybe more urban central I don't know if that's actually true. It sounds right, anecdotally at least. Um, but yeah, it's, obviously there's a cultural difference between the countries. I yeah, I've know, know very few people who have a shoes off policy in their homes. I always respect it when they do, but it's not common, and it seems like it's much more likely other places. Um, Claire goes on to say, The bracelet was probably my least favorite episode so far, so it sounds like she's uh, on board with what we kind of said. But it cannot go unmentioned how both Richard Lewis and the captain at the restaurant had such fantastic neckties. I did not notice that, but we'll take your word for it, Claire.
0: Yeah, I have to go back and look at their ties again. Richard Lewis, I never like how he's dressed. So yeah, but uh, um, yeah, I'll give it another well, it,
1: ca- it came up in a he wears black
0: like Johnny Cash. Yeah, it
1: came up in a, like two two weeks ago. Um, yeah. But Larry asked him like, "Why are you still dressing like that?" And he's like, "Well, people have a certain expectation <laughs> when they see me." He's like, "No one gives a shit what you wear, Richard. <laughs> like, yeah. like you're not you're doing this for yourself." Um, okay, then Zach Brooks tweeted at us saying that he thought that the episode "The Bracelet" had serious uncut gems vibes to it. I don't know. I didn't. I guess there's a jewelry store involved, but I don't think it really had the. It certainly didn't have the. F- that's true. The frenetic pace of uncut gems. Um, <laughs> yes. And then he asks, "How long is too long to wear workout clothes? I sometimes end up wearing them all day if I'm too lazy to shower. Um, I mean, that's too long. You shouldn't wear your workout clothes all day if you've worked out in them. <laughs> I mean, it's, I assume we're talking about if you've worked out in them. If you if you're putting on."
0: Clean workout clothes I think it's fine to wear them all day if you're not really leaving the house yeah although I do know the one thing he's talking about when you come home if you don't shower right away if you wait half hour to do something else then you're sort of like no longer sweaty and then you sort of feel like you know right like oh well now I can go another couple hours right you settle in so I know what he means a little yeah, bit but yeah but yeah but I, I try and get them off right away I try and jump in the shower and get them off right yeah away. but of course you can't you can't shower right away because then the shower doesn't take
1: so you know it's it's a fine <laughs> line you have to wait till like, you're yeah. done sweating. Otherwise, you get out yeah. of the shower and you're still sweating. Yes. All right. Uh, next email comes from listener Amir. Uh, he asks the same question we did. Why did Larry need the guy in the street to simply listen to whether Richard or his girlfriend answered the phone? He didn't even have to say anything. Larry could have done the just, just the same. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. And it's weird because they probably had to, like, pay that, that guy to be in the episode. It just It's very strange. <laughs> um, is it safe to say that Michael is the blind man from hell? <laughs> Is that, refer- what, is that a reference?
0: It's a good reference. I don't even rec- recognize that one. Larry will later be at lunch with Richard Lewis, and they're at the lunch from hell, and then Richard will claim that he invented that expression. Oh,
1: okay. Um, Larry's watching two na- football two, two nights in a row, as we discussed, but looking at the screenshots. Seemed- yeah, we're yeah. To get it uh, So basically, bit, yeah, yeah Amir, uh, Amir says
0: this was pretty, pretty, pretty lazy. Yeah, I do like how Amir commented in the emails that at one point he was going to start doing all the research about which game this could have been, but then he just thought, fuck yeah, it. Chester sounds like Chester, Chester work to me. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's not wrong.
1: Okay, next email comes from Olin Allen. Hi, guys. I, uh. I had a... Uh, our uh, superfan super Olin Allen had a very relatable moment early in the episode where Larry is feeling rancor. See, I know how to spell it. Coming from Cheryl, <laughs> about two hours before watching the episode, my wife came in while I was listening to the previous episode of your podcast about Porto Gill. She was telling me about something or other, but I was distracted by the co- by the podcast. It was nice to have a relatable moment so soon after. Still, I think I wasn't as in it as Larry
0: was when watching the football. Also, I love that you also want to be careful. You don't want to say to your wife, "I'm watching porno Gill," because that might go the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. No, no, it's, 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 a, it's a Larry David episode. Well, you You're know. listening
1: to a porn podcast? It's not a porn yeah, podcast. Yeah. It's a podcast that has a character yeah. that used to be in porn. Yeah. Uh, he loved the Very complaints weird. about clock managing. It reminded him of Sundays in the 32 Fans WhatsApp group. Um, he said that's one of his f- favorite share of experiences watching football and complaining about professionals' inability to manage the clock. Uh, he asked do you think it was a little bit disingenuous of Larry making that he didn't care about the game at the second day since it wasn't even the Jets so maybe he was like overplaying oh I don't you see I'm not even care about the game When yeah you don't really care about the game except I think in the in the from the earlier scene it seems like he is invested in the game um, yeah all this talk makes me feel Makes me almost forget about Blind Mike, which is a great part of the episode. I feel that being happy to portray, portray people who are blind or have another physical attribute that doesn't fully function, being an asshole, humanizes these people. I agree. Yeah, that's yes. what we said. Yes. Um, I don't feel the episode is saying all blind people are assholes. Certainly not. <laughs> but they could, yeah. that, would, that would be a hot take. All blind people are assholes. Yeah. But they could just be as much as anyone else, exactly Rather than patronizing, having to always shed them in a good light Also reminded me a bit of Ted Danson's sitcom about the 90s Becker That had a main character who was blind Anyway, I may just lean to Richard Lewis ahead of Blind Mike as my main star man. That's what you said as well. So, you, so you ah, nice. Olin agrees with Alex, if only for the way his sweet soaked face looked when they finished up at the apartment. <laughs> um, he says it's a strong episode, four pretty goods out of 10, which is a different scale a than we're using. Cause he, he says out of 10. I don't know if he Wait, meant. Four
0: out of 10 is two out of five. Yeah, so,
1: so I don't. Yeah, Olin, we're, we're doing pretties out of five. You give it four, yeah. but then you said a 10. So we, but you said strong episodes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume he meant four out of five.
0: Four out of five, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, or good. 10. Th- I don't think Larry's ever got even more than five or six per T's.
1: Uh Yeah. So yeah, so uh, thanks for the feedback, Olin. I'm glad you liked the episode. And when your wife is talking to you, maybe put us on pause, or maybe invite her to listen to you to the podcast. You know, this is the only way that we oh, we could get li- we get. You know, we're always looking for more listeners. All right, and That's our
0: wonderful podcast uh, for a boy or a girl.
1: And our last <laughs> our last email comes from the fades. He says, guys, when you go to the episode recap, I expect a short segment, but in reality, the whole pod is the episode recap with your great commentary and insights interjected. Can you refire this somehow so as to match? My expectations to with regard to what a recap should entail. I love the pod, um, so yeah, I don't really understand what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, but it ends with "I love the pod," so I think we're gonna keep doing what we're doing.
0: Okay, maybe maybe he can come on one time and, uh, and tell us exactly. Yeah, what I, yeah, what maybe a demonstration. Yeah, a demonstration it. might be good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Av, so next week we have uh, episode five, yeah, and it is called Interior Decorator.
1: Yeah so you know he he was going to see an appointment with his doctor and he was supposed to meet up with Diane Keaton I actually just saw Diane Keaton I watched The Godfather 2 last week it was
0: pretty 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 good